Hey, turn in your Bibles and or your notes. Jeremiah chapter 12. It's our series scripture. Starting out in verse 5. I'm going to dive right in today as you're looking. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. Um, if I see you falling asleep, I'll turn a fan on. It's hard to sleep in the cold. I'm just letting you know. But it's, it's, it's hard to sleep in the cold. Some of y'all are like, I'll leave. Okay, bye. <laughs> Take that up with Jesus. As you turn there, this, is, this, this message is not like me climbing ladders and running around the stage and, and shouting to keep your attention for the next 35 minutes. It, this message, this is not a milk message. This is a meat message. Okay, so I'm going to invite you to pull up a, a seat to the table. And you're going you're gonna to need more than a spoon to get this one down. You're going to need to hone in and pay attention. Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5 on this love your neighbor Sunday uh, because my wife uh, allows me to be dismissed from that. She knows, she knows that she's my number one valentine. But she also knows that I know that I'm not her number one valentine. He's about three and a half feet tall with blonde hair. That's her number one. And I know my place and I'm okay with it. People are like, boy, you're going to protect those girls. But I know you're going to go crazy with them girls. I was like, hey, you better, you'd rather deal with me than her over them babies. I'm telling you right now. Jeremiah 12 on this love your neighbor Sunday slash Valentine's Day slash racial reconciliation Sunday. It was declared at one point and, and for some reason it didn't catch on. I believe it needs to catch on. Because um, I, I believe that there needs to be reconciliation. You feel whatever you want to feel about the way that things are going on in society. The church has had an issue. And that issue has caused 10 o'clock on Sunday morning to be one of the most segregated times of the week. Walmart shouldn't look more like heaven than churches do. We need racial reconciliation. Not just in this nation, but in our churches in this nation. Judgment begins in the house of God. Jeremiah is asked a question by God. God says, if you have run with the footmen and they have caused you to be weary, if cold weather keeps you from church, well, just go there today. <laughs> now, some people had to really close, and that's a, like inclement weather. I was just coming in this evening, and you need to, you need to get ready for this evening. You need to go and... And you need to prepare because we might be, you know, hunkered down for a day or two. Uh, but in this, in this time, I believe this message reigns out as much for us as it did for Jeremiah. When God said, if you have run with the footmen and people, people and temporary pandemics and persecution in this life has caused you to be weary then how are you going to run or contend with the horses? Um, now, it doesn't say the horses, but I, I know that God knew what he was going to give John in the book of Revelation. There are four horses that are coming. And John, in his first epistle to the church before the book of Revelation, John said, this is how you know whether the Spirit of God is in something or not. Any spirit that proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord or Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that is of the Spirit of God. Any spirit that does not confess or proclaim, and by the way, confession is more than what you say. Confession is what you show. 
So you can say you believe in Jesus all you want to, but I'm more interested in what you show than in what you say. Even when you're showing it, you still need to be saying it. It's, it's, never mind, we'll just keep going there. But, but confession, confession is in more than in your speech. Confession can be found in your action and in your behavior, in your choice, in your way of life. And, and John says, anybody that does not confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not of God. But is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's why Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. There's no, there's no gray area in living for Jesus. It's very concrete. Okay? Um, if that is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you knew was coming and is now on the earth. And so we see the spirit, maybe not the Antichrist. I don't personally believe the Antichrist is here. I also don't believe it's going to be a guessing game. Because God reveals even the secrets of his heart. Where he no longer calls us servant. He calls us friend, right? And so he lets us know. He's not trying to hide anything from us. We don't have to be afraid of who's coming when we know who we're following. Okay? Jesus is already here. But he said 2,000 years ago, John said, the spirit of the Antichrist is already on the earth. And we see these horses in the book of Revelation. And we see this white horse, which is a counterfeit horse. We see a white horse of deception and disruption. And we see a, a red horse of fear and violence. Sound familiar? Deception, disruption, fear, violence. We see a black horse. Chaos in commerce. Chaos in the economy. Chaos in buying and selling. Sound familiar? GameStop, hashtag, just saying. Okay? Chaos. And then we see a pale horse of disease and death. Not hundreds, not thousands, not millions, but billions of people. Disease and death. So we see these horses, and God told Jeremiah, I believe the same thing he's telling us today. If you have run with the footmen, and they've caused you to be weary, how are you going to contend with horses? Spiritual, supernatural things. So I need to ask myself this question. How can I contend? How can I contend? Now I'm going to go through the first four. We've been in a series for the last two weeks and we've gone through four of these. So I'm going to breeze my way through four and I'm just giving you two more today because that is all that we have time for and I want to make sure that you remember what I preach rather than just having a good Sunday. So write these down. These are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You can go read them. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I don't have to explain it after I read it. Okay, New Living Translation, um, 1 Thessalonians 5. We pick up around verse 12 and 13. And Paul, Paul gives a list, if you will. Paul gives a list of characteristics in a child of God that should exist if that child is going to contend. 1 Thessalonians 5 is a synopsis of the end times or of the last days. And then Paul gives a list. These are the characteristics that you should aspire to if you're going to contend. Number one, he says contend with covering. Contend with covering. You weren't created to do this alone. Verse 12, brothers and sister, honor. You may want to write that down real big. Honor, 
Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Now just leave that up there for a second. So I want to remind you that the leaders of the Lord's work are not just pastors or staff members or elders or board members or small group leaders even. All of those are certainly leaders in the Lord's work. But in the context, you can see that a leader in the Lord's work is anyone that the Lord has allowed to be in authority in your life. In other words, they don't have to be living for God in order for God to be able to use them in your life. If they're in authority over you and or alongside of you, then you are, I am, to honor them as I honor Him. This is the total context of Scripture. So watch this, watch. If you're not careful, you'll think your authority is your covering. That's not your covering. Your covering is how you honor your authority. Thought that would get an amen. I mean, we just sang amen like 17 times. Your covering is not in your authority. Your covering is in how you honor your authority. Government officials... Guardians, employers, your, your, your covering is not in the position or the person. Your covering is found in how you honor the position or the person. Number two, contend with care. Contend with care. Verse 14 says this. Encourage those who are timid. Take care, take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. E everyone. So think of the person that challenges your patience. Come on, think of them. Don't, don't pet them, don't point at them. That's not what I... Think of them, think of them. Think of the person that challenges your patience the most, and that's who you're supposed to be the most patient with. Hang on, hang on. Think of the platform. Think of the agenda. Think of the politician. You have to be the most patient with. And that is whom you're supposed to have the most patience for. Contend with care. Caring more for others than you do yourself. Contend with care. It actually says this. It says warn those. One version says warn those who are being idle and disruptive. One version says warn those who are not willing to work. But I want to remind you that Paul is not talking about the American economy. He is talking about heavenly treasure. What he's saying is, warn those who are spiritually idle and spiritually disruptive. Warn those who find more substance in what they do for a living than who they are in Christ. Well, warn those who always expect everybody else to do things for them when they never do anything for themselves. Warn them! Warn them that don't know how to give, don't know how to serve, don't know how to learn, don't know how to grow. 
warn, warn them, and then encourage them. And take tender care, being patient. Number three, contend with grace. Contend with grace. Now, last week we explained the difference between grace and mercy, and I'll come right back to that. But Paul says in verse, I believe, 15 now, he says, Always, always, always do good to each other and all people. So I think, I think this applies to the people that don't dress like you. I think this applies to the people that don't vote like you. I mean, talk like you. Maybe. I think this applies to the people with a different skin tone than you. I think this applies to people that can't grow a beard. I just think. I'm <laughs> I didn't mean to make fun of my brother live on Facebook. I'm so sorry, man. I think this applies to all, I, I, all people contend with grace. See, we think of grace and we affiliate it with mercy. Mercy, as I explained in depth last, last week, mercy is not giving somebody what they deserve. Like, I'm not going to knock you out for being so ignorant. I'm not going to. That's mercy. I'm going to be merciful today. The spirit of slap has come over me right now. And, and I'm not going to lay hands in that manner and deliver you of this demonic stupidity that you walk in. I'm not going to do that. That's mercy. I need mercy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I need it for myself and for other things and people. I need mercy. Okay, Grace, grace is not just not giving somebody what they deserve. Grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. That's what grace is. By the way, that's what God gave you. He didn't just give you mercy, not punishing you for all of your unrighteousness. Well, I'm not a bad person. Well, James says if you've ever lied, you're a liar. Well, I've never murdered anybody. Well, maybe you didn't, but when you didn't pray with them, when you didn't share your story with them, when you didn't invite them to church, when you didn't do what the Holy Spirit told you to do with that person, you set them up for eternal murder. So if you've ever, just one time, you've broken one, you're guilty of all. That's what James says. See, I need grace. I need God to give me a lot of things I don't deserve. I need unmerited favor. Watch this. Write this down. Simple explanation. Grace is given. Mercy is shown. Grace can't be found in what you just show or what you just say. It can only be found in what you're willing to give. That's contending with grace. Giving people what they need despite what you think they deserve. Number four. This is where we landed last week. Contend with joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. This is a great memory verse. I'm just saying. Verse 16 says, always be joyful. It's an awesome memory verse. I love these kinds. I know a lot of three-word scriptures, okay? Just telling you. This is a great one to put in your arsenal and never forget. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. 
joyful. This was revelational for me. It's why I'm spending two weeks on it. Because I didn't want to just say it last week and somebody go, oh, that's good. No, it's not good. It's revelational. It's more than good. Okay? It is eternally transformational if you will get it in your spirit. It's not just good. No, it's not. No, it's un- unbelievable is what it is. Okay? Always be joyful. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Hey, lean over if, you're, if, if, if your significant other is here or, or, or a, a, some family member or a friend. Don't get too close if they're just a friend because that's not holy. But just kind of tell them. Tell them this. Ready? Tell them God doesn't care about your happiness. I know, right? That's going to wake some people up. They're like, what? That is rude. Why do we come to this church? I should have stayed home and watched Joel. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember to say that in third service. (laughs) God does not care about my happiness. I am convinced. Listen, God God is not American. He's heaven. God is not an earthly father. He's a heavenly father. We want our kids to be happy. Come on. If they'll stop screaming and acting like a fool in Walmart, I will give them what they want just to get out of there. I might beat them when we get home, but I will make them happy for a moment. Come on, they bat those little eyelashes at me. I can have a moment of weakness. That's when I call their mama. You better deal with you. I mean her. (laughs) That's not how God is. God doesn't spoil his children. God is way more interested in you being holy than he is in you being happy. And if he has to sacrifice your happiness for you to be made holy, for you to walk in holiness, he'll choose holiness every time. Now, I'm not saying that God wants you to be sad. That's not what I'm saying at all. I believe God wants us to be joyful, which is more than happy. Why do you believe that? Because God can't tell us to be something that he doesn't want us to be. And he just said in our memory verse for this week, always be joyful. But happiness and joy are not the same thing. And if you confuse them, then you will misunderstand who and how God wants you to live. Happiness, I told you this last week, I'll give it to you quickly. Happiness is external. Like... Um, she's so patient with me. Um, my wife, she is. She didn't wake up happy this morning. No, you didn't. Because it's too cold. It is too cold. I put wise in my words more than I normally do when I talk like my wife. Okay, it is too cold. What is there? An Arctic wave? Where are we right now? It's freezing. Right now, she is only happy. There's one place that she's happy, and it's not in my arms. It is in front of the fireplace. That is where she is happy. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. That's why she sends me outside to get another log when her fire goes down. She said, joy is based on the inside, and inside is where I'm staying Honestly, if, if her vehicle didn't have remote start this morning, I don't know if she'd be here. I'm just saying, don't know if I think she would be. Happiness, happiness happens by chance. By the way, which is how a lot of people try to live their Christianity. 
man, if it works out for me, I'll live for Jesus. If not, then I'm going to go back to who I was. Happiness happens by chance. I'm telling you, joy, joy happens. Joy is a choice. You have to choose joy. You have to choose joy when you read that post. <laughs> you have to choose joy when you hear that report. You have to choose joy when you get that text. You have to choose joy when that person you were thinking of a minute ago walks in the room or comes on the internet. You got to choose. You got to joy is not by chance. I'm not living for Jesus by chance because I don't fall up, y'all. I fall down. I'm not taking this and hoping that it works out. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And in him is full, in his presence is fullness of joy. So when I choose Jesus, I choose joy. Why? Because happiness is based on happenings. It's based on what happens. Sometimes I wake up happy. Sometimes I wake up not so happy. Sometimes I have a good day. Sometimes my day is not so good. Sometimes I'm around people I like. Sometimes I'm around people I have to love. Come on, somebody. That's what it is what it is. Happiness is based on happenings, but joy is based on Jesus. And the last time I checked, in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is peace that surpasses all understanding. Nothing has knocked him off of his throne. And nothing has taken place in my life that has caused him to leave my side. There are some things that happen that are out of your control. There will be more things that happen that are out of your control. But just because something happens out of your control doesn't mean that you get to let it control you. The only thing that can control you is what you're committed to. If it's controlling you, then you're giving it too much commitment. If it's controlling you, it may be because you're more committed to it or them than you are to him. Because when you're committed to him, he controls you. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the external, in the temporary, in the current condition. You know who you are following so you will follow him anywhere. i got to go to the next point. That was last week's sermon, y'all. Number five. Number five, contend with prayer. I'm only giving you two today. Good night, that thing is going fast this morning. Contend with prayer. Those are conversations with Jesus. Let me give you another memory verse. You ready? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. That's funny right there. I gave you, if you can remember six words, I gave you two verses today. You can walk around quoting scripture all next week. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Always be joyful, never stop praying. You didn't know I knew two memory verses, did you? Always be joyful, never stop praying. I done learned the word of God. <laughs> Always be joyful, never stop praying. A Jesus follower should follow Jesus' example. A Jesus follower should follow Jesus' example. Let me, let me tell you, Jesus had a lot of conversations with the Father. A lot. He had a conversation. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation with God. Well, I don't know how to have a conversation. No, you don't want to know. 
Well, I, I don't understand. What, well, you, you're not learning. You're not trying to learn. Contend with prayer. I'll come back to it in a minute. Jesus' followers should follow Jesus' example. I, I read, okay, I read the Bible plan. It's the gospel in 30 days. I read the plan. Okay, it took me about 47 days. I'm an overachiever, okay? Took me about 47 days, but I read the gospel of Jesus in 30 days on the YouVersion Bible app. I highly recommend it. If you don't have a reading plan, you do now. Okay, so go read the gospel. I read through all the gospels, and what was cool is it was like back to back. All the parallel gospels were put together, and then Mark would throw in like a superhero Jesus story, because that's always fun, and then John would come to the backside and say, yeah, but you need to really know him. So that's how the gospel operates, and I read through there, and I noticed, I noticed, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I noticed that Jesus prayed more than he protested. I just, one of the things I noticed is Jesus was known for his ability to pray, not his willingness or ability to protest. Hang on, let me make it personal. Jesus contributed more than he complained. What are you adding to the air? And are the air waves? What are you adding to the atmosphere? Because Jesus prayed. Jesus contributed. And a follower of Jesus should follow the example of Jesus. We're still supposed to be the light in the darkness. We're still supposed to speak up for those who don't have a voice. Unborn. We're still supposed to we're still supposed to stay firm and strong and speak truth alongside grace and not accept less than unbiblical morals. We're supposed to stand and condemn evil and we're supposed to to convict the evil that people commit. We're supposed to do those. Let me give you an example. I, I got to hurry. Um, there's this little girl named Jojo. Her mama named her that because she don't like her. If you have a nickname of Jojo, I'm sorry. I just, I was like, who does? Why would you name your? Anyways, this little girl, she has a lot of influence, apparently. I'd never heard of her until just a couple of weeks ago. Um, we, we just don't, we don't just predominantly follow a whole lot of secular like, we follow Jesus and we see a lot of secular, okay? And, and then we explain, okay, this one's okay, Jesus didn't die for that. It, this one's, you know, like, it's okay to be an LSU fan, even though those people look like they, Jesus did die. For, anyway, so, it's okay. And we, 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 we point out the difference between good and evil all the time. We do. Well, like, we're very intentional. So here, this little girl comes, and she's, she's a beautiful little girl, young lady. I mean, I think she's still, I don't even know how old she is, but she's a young lady. She's a child. She, she, has, she wears bows, and her name is Jojo, and she has a clothing line and, and all these different things. And just a couple of weeks ago, she came out and said that she was gay. And so here's, here's what I, I saw people just blasting hatred towards this child. But then on the other side, I saw so-called biblical believers condoning her behavior good evil there's a tree that has knowledge of good and of evil guys i'm not going on social media and blasting a child i'm not going to go on social media and waste my breath about things that i hate or things that I hate for someone. 
at the same time, I'm not going to support an unbiblical agenda. I don't have to choose between those two extremes. I can love this child. I don't have to use my influence to make sure everybody knows how much I despise her. In fact, if I despise her, a child, a little girl, then my heart, there's something wrong in my heart that I'm not hurting enough for her. Maybe, she, maybe that's the reason that she doesn't want to be a part of a church. But then on the other end, no, we're not buying her stuff. And I'm going to sit down with my almost 11-year-old daughter and say, hey, listen, this is not okay. She's confused. There's, her heart is hurting. Her parents aren't training her in the ways of Jesus. I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity to show the difference, not just between good and evil, but between righteousness in Christ and those who are not in Him. And we should pray. We should contend with prayer, not add to the already volatile air. I can't condone unbiblical standards and call it love. Did you hear me? I can't condone unbiblical morals, approve of unbiblical practices, and try to cover it in love. That's not how this thing works. That's adding sugar to poop. It doesn't work out well. It's not a covering. It's confusion. But at the same time, I'm not going to add to the toxicity of this child's life by acting just like the people that don't know God and being just as angry about something that I don't like as they are about something that they don't like. What is that solving? Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Jesus, it's, the Bible says when Jesus heard about John. What happened to John? John had his head chopped off. John was about to be beheaded. He was on death row. And Jesus could have formed an army and stormed the palace. Capital. I mean palace. He's Jesus. He could have done whatever he wanted to. But he, watch how he handled it. He withdrew to a boat privately to a solitary place. He withdrew. And the crowds found out about it and followed him on foot. Doesn't it seem like every time you're trying to get away from people, they find you? But watch what he does in verse 23. He ministers to the people. And after he ministered to them, he sent them away. And he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Praying for his friend. Praying for the emperor. Not my will, but thine. If you think the Garden of Gethsemane was the first time that Jesus said, Not my will, but thine. Then you just don't understand what it is to struggle as a follower of Jesus. To struggle to accomplish his will along the way. To contend in prayer. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, the Bible says early in the morning. You remember when the Bible, Matthew said when evening came, Mark says early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up and slipped out to a solitary place to pray. Now we have some early birds in the room. Good for you. We have some morning people. Leave me alone, okay? I'm not a morning people. 
I'm kind of a double digits dude. That's just kind of how I operate, okay? But if you happen to be a morning people, now I do get up often because I've found that it's actually been better for me when I set an alarm clock to spend time with Jesus instead of just hoping it's going to happen. But I love that the Bible says it was evening and morning the first day. And as a child of God, the Jewish people believed that when the sun went down, that was the beginning of the new day. So whether you spend time with God at night, the beginning of the new day, or in the morning before you begin a new day, I believe spending time with God is the most important principle in this place. And as you spend time with Him, by the way, next week, set a time and spend it with, turn the stupid TV off, close your phone, wake up early, set an alarm, schedule a meeting, whatever you have to do, you've got to make sure that you spend time with Him. And if you will do this every Every day next week, it won't change your circumstance, but it will change how you respond to your circumstance. God, don't change my situation. Change me. Change me. Mark 6, 36, after bidding them farewell. Some of you need this gift. There's some people in your life, you need to anoint yourself with this gift and use it this week. Some people come to me and complain about the way that I feel like God has used us to do ministry. Some people come to me and fuss. Well, I'm going to take my family and my money. And Some of you need this gift. It's called the gift of buy. I don't know who you think you are, why you think you have the right to Just give them the gift. The Bible says with Jesus, bidding them farewell, Jesus said, bye. He went up on the mountain to pray. There's some people in your lives that you need to let go. If they're trying to leave you, you're too valuable. Let them leave. Hey, you know how many people I've seen come back when I just kept following one after, and I'm not talking about here alone. I'm talking throughout this ministry tenure of just following Jesus. People get madder than fire at me. They'll come back. They'll come back. As long as I'm where I'm supposed to be. Notice, Jesus didn't go talk about everybody after he told them bye. He just went and prayed. And when he stayed where he was supposed to be, most of them ended up becoming who they were created to be. Subpoints, ready quickly, pray with structure, pray with structure. We've got prayer booklets available for you if you want them. All you got to do is email and ask. Come by the office and ask. We'll give them to you. We'll hand them out like candy. By the way, we're going to give you some candy before you leave today. It's heart suckers. Yay. It's Valentine's sort of. For Gabriel. Jesus. Jesus had structure in his life. Look, Luke 5, 16. The Bible says Jesus frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Jesus, Jesus, Son of God. He scheduled prayer into his week. He scheduled prayer. He didn't hope it was going to happen. Listen, you're not going to fall up. Did you hear me? You're going to fall down. You're not going to accidentally pray and never stop praying. 
You're going to accidentally realize that you hadn't talked to Jesus in a week and wonder why you feel the way that you feel. You're going to accidentally realize that you hadn't been to church in three months and wonder why your children are acting the way they're acting. Mm -hmm. I've seen it too much. I know what it looks like to live apart from Jesus, and I know what it looks like to live abiding in Jesus. And I choose abiding in apart from every time, every single time. He, He withdrew frequently. There are so many resources out there for you to learn how to pray. One of my favorite resources is written by Pastor Ryan Post. It's a small book. I love small books, y'all. Not even going to lie. Like, you give me a book like this, yeah, I'll put that on a shelf. You give me a book like this, I'll put it beside the toilet, and I'll read it. I'm just letting you know. It will get read. It will get read. You put it where you're going to read it. Pastor Ryan Post wrote a book called Healthy Prayer. You have on on this or your phone, you have devotional after devotional after devotional, video after video, teaching after teaching. If you want to learn how to pray, then you can learn how to pray. If you're going to be lazy, I'm supposed to warn you, Paul said. If you're not going to work for it, you're probably not going to have it. Number two, you need to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 18 Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, he said, hey, pray in the Spirit. I think he wants us to. At all times. He wrote to Thessalonica, never stop praying. He wrote to Ephesus, pray at all times. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in your prayer language. It's for you. It's not for everybody else. It's not to just show off on Sunday. It is a spiritual gift, but it's also a personal gift that is available to anyone who calls upon his name. That's what Acts chapter 2 says, and that's what we should believe. You can pray in English. You can pray in the tongues of men. You can pray in the tongues of angels. Or you can just pray in his presence. And as he gives you names and places and people and problems, pray about them. Add blessing to the atmosphere, not more cursing. We can't break our addiction to saying evil things because we don't spend enough time saying life-giving things. The reason that we have such a hard time with our tongues is because it's not surrendered. We have to spend time praying in the Spirit. Isn't it crazy every time you sit down to spend some time with Jesus, you remember the 17 things that you couldn't remember just five minutes ago? And then you you got to get all those things done. No, you don't. Here's what you do. This is another gift. Where did it go? There it is. You take one of these. This is called a pen. Sometimes they have lead at the top. It's called a pencil. And you have a piece of paper laying beside you. I'm telling you, this is transformational. This will help you in your prayer life. Put a piece of paper beside you. And every time, by the way, God doesn't distract you during prayer. So it either comes from you, the world, or, yeah. And so, every time that you feel like you're getting distracted in prayer, this is a practical principle. Watch this. Jesus, I thought, oh, man, I need. Ah! Jesus, thank you, Lord, for helping me remember that. And now I'm back. You just write it down. And then you keep going. You need to pray in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For when we do not know what we ought to pray, the Spirit himself will intercede. The Spirit of God will pray through you. But the Spirit can't speak if you're not spending time. 
He only speaks when you spend. The Holy Spirit's not going to run you down and trip you throughout your day. He'll be relentless after you. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. This is the last one. Pray in silence. This is my favorite. This is where we learn how to, we would call it yielding. Um, Yielding, yielding is that sign that nobody knows what to do with. You know what I'm talking about? It's white on the inside. It's it's like we're supposed to be wearing white or red today. And yes, this is red enough, okay? I know it's kind of a burgundy, but my wife said I could wear it, so mind your business. So this is is the color I went with today, and we're going to take a picture. And... um, but that sign, it's, it's red lined on the outside and it's white on the inside. And you're riding with people and they don't really know what to do. And so they just go through that thing like it's not even there. And you get to work on your prayer language. Like, oh, there's a yield. There's a go. So anyways, you just go straight through, straight through. And Jesus is okay with me having fun with his word. Jesus has a sense of humor. I promise. He, he created it. He can't tell you to let laughter is good for the soul and not have a sense of humor. So you go straight through that sign. What does it mean to yield? What does it mean? It means you let someone else go, right? It means it's their turn. When's the last time you sat with Jesus and you let him go? Just yield. Let him go. You, you said all your requests. You, you stated all your problems. And God's okay with that. Now it's his turn. We try to do this with our family. I hope to share this for the rest of my life. Some of you have heard this. Just hang in there for a second. We try to do this at least once a week. Uh, We don't always get it because we're human. (laughs) And so we miss the mark. But we aim. Our objective is we want to learn how to hear from God. And we want to learn how to hear from God together. We're learning and teaching our children how to hear from God all at the same time. And so we'll yield. We'll yield. And we'll just sit there, and most of the time, our children open one eye. (laughs) So I open both eyes, and I look at them. And it's crazy, because there's one of them specifically, he, well, I just told on him, but he kind of, and then he'll see me, like, he got me again. Why does he not have his eyes closed? So I yield my eyes open, and I watch, and. And one time, one of them was making a really crazy face. And I was like, man, what is, what is going on? And they were getting frustrated. They opened their eyes. And, and was, we always ask, okay, did you hear anything? Did you see anything? Did you think of anything? And for like a month, we all thought of the same song. It's crazy. Like, you know, I thought of, I thought of hallelujah. Isn't, isn't that what y'all did this morning in children's church? Yeah, but I thought of it when I was yielding. So it's from Jesus. Like you're, it is. Sometimes Jesus does want you to remember what you heard in church. <laughs> I need to say that in third service. So, so... So they're like, ah, and then we got to another child, and they're like, I didn't hear anything. I don't understand. What does this mean? Why are we doing this? Like, hang on, just hang in there, okay? This child was getting so frustrated, I said, hey, come here. Come sit with me. Come here. I don't hear from Jesus. He's talking to them and not talking. He's like, he's not talking to them. They're just saying what song y'all sang this morning. I can't hear anything. All right, just sit here. Just sit here. Just sit in my lap. So the child just sat there, and I just held my child. After about 30 seconds, they're kind of like, what are you doing? 
After about 90 seconds, I said, hey, did you hear me? Look, you didn't say anything. I said, I know. I just wanted to sit with you. When's the last time you just sat with him? He doesn't need anything. You don't need anything. Just sit with him. Just enjoy his presence. That same child, just a few weeks later, I saw him looking because I was cheating. And they all opened their eyes and, and that child said, I got something. What, what? I, I saw a tree with a whole lot of fruit. Like, all right, she's hungry. And the fruit fell and I caught it. And I held the fruit and then it, it just, I had, it rolled out of my hands and it, it went down on the ground and it, it went down and I saw like a bank and then it went into the water and it floated across the water and I saw it floating across the water and then, and then a, a, a kid, a kid on the other side of the world picked it up. It like went through the ocean and, and went to the, to the other side of the world and, and another kid picked up my fruit. And, and that kid turned around and, and it took it, to, took it to their family and they started handing it out and the fruit started multiplying as the child began to hand it out. And I was like, what does that mean, Daddy? I don't know, Jesus is going to have to tell you that one again. <laughs> I ain't sending you over there. <laughs> if we never spent the time, Jesus never speaks the word. This is the last point for today, contend with praise. Contend with praise. Let me have that. Careful. I know. I know. That sucker's heavy. Did you know that Jesus could put his praise on the end of a stick? Come on, somebody. Like a child. I'm not giving this away. Get over it. That's, you're not, you can't have it. I'm going to give it to Pastor Lydia. She's going to sell it for like a thousand kid cash. I think this is what praise looks like. I just wanted to give you an illustration. You know what else I like about this on this Racial Reconciliation Sunday? All these colors actually go to better together. Better together. They, you don't care that they're all blended into one. You just care what they make up. Paul said, as he continued, always be joyful, never stop praying. He says in verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. Because always being joyful, never stop praying and being thankful. That is God's will for your life. This is God's will for your life. That you would not just learn how to pray, but you would learn how to praise. You remember I said a Jesus follower should follow Jesus' example. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, holy, holy holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done in my life as it's already predetermined in heaven he said when you pray start with praise and see where the spirit leads you from there be thankful in all circumstances for this is the will of god you remember Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church. We call it the book of Philippians. Paul was in a Roman prison. Dare I say dungeon. 
when he wrote this, when he dictated this letter, he had visited the Philippians at around 50 AD, and he wrote this letter about 10 or 12 years later because he was worried about the fact that he hadn't been able to get back to those people. And so watch, in a Roman dungeon, by the way, a Roman dungeon, not like a prison that we have today with beds and TVs and three meals a day. That's not what this is, okay? A Roman dungeon is when you are, you, you are in chains to another prisoner and or the wall and or a prison guard. By the way, these people did not have showers. They did not have soap. They were not clean. They didn't take to, get to take baths. They didn't have running toiletries and and sewage systems in these prisons they defecated on themselves this wasn't like a clean floor where they had come in and sprayed to make sure nobody gets sick no 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 they didn't care if they got sick that was part of it that was part of the punishment the rodents lick your wounds while you're trying to sleep and you lay in feces and defecation that is the atmosphere that Paul is in And he writes a letter to a church. So don't tell me that you can't thank God in your circumstances. Because as long as it's better than that, then Paul's talking to you. He says this to the church in Philippi. Verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I can't be there, but the Holy Spirit is. I can't say what I want in person, but God can breathe the life that only he can breathe through the person of the Holy Spirit. We can be thankful no matter our circumstances, as I am thankful for you. That is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I know that it seems gloom, but God is not done. So praise him. Praise Him in your prayers. Praise Him in your pain. Praise Him in your problems. Like a child that receives a gift, give God praise. When He puts people not like you all around you, know that you are making up something that is bigger and greater than you. And that the church is not supposed to be the most segregated hour of every week. It's supposed to be the most integrated hour of every week. I can't help but thank my God that we still have a vision and He still has a plan. He started something and He will see it through. That is what Paul is saying. i got to show you this picture. I'll pray you out. This is a picture of Joe and Pearlie Mae Bradford. And, and I'm not just showing this because that's what the, the white kid is supposed to do. That's not the purpose of this. We call him Joe Shine. On the, on the, on the tombstone... Of their family members. It says S-H-Y-N-E. And under one side. Is the name Pearlie. May. Bradford. Every time I say my niece's name. I think of Pearlie. Kenley May. Pearlie May. Her daughter came up to my wife at our wedding. <laughs> Her daughter is, is not a small person. Shamika I love you. She came up to Megan. Megan is small, like tiny small. Okay, Shamika came up at the wedding. She ran up to Megan. Megan's in her little wedding gown. She says, girl, 
welcome to the family, and picks her up and gives her a full frontal hug. And Megan's looking at me. I didn't know you had a Shamika in your bloodline. <laughs> she had met Pearly. She just never met Shamika. See, Pearly, I'm not showing you her picture. Pearly, not just a few years ago, went to be with the Lord. Every Thanksgiving, I think of Pearly because Pearly taught my mama how to make dressing. Thank you, Jesus. And Pearly. Pearly went to be with the Lord. She contracted cancer and it took her life. I, I, before I wanted it to take her life. But Pearly, kept my, Pearly kept my baby one time, Adeline. It was, it was one of the first people that, I think it was one of the first people that Megan ever left her first baby with. She left her with Pearly. Pearly was holding Adeline and Adeline didn't like anybody but Megan, including me. And so Megan handed her to Pearly, and Pearly's trying to keep her content, and, and she's screaming her head off. And Pearly says, girl, can't you feel my love? <laughs> I was like, come on, Megan, come on, Megan. She's like, no, but I can just, no, nope, no, you can't just, we can just go. Come on. <laughs> Pearly's loving on, y'all, Pearly showed up at our house every morning at 7 o'clock. I was such a spoiled child. She showed up every morning at 7 o'clock. What you want for lunch? Same thing. She make me every day, she make me a pepperoni and mustard sandwich. Don't judge me. I know it's weird. I liked it. <laughs> While we were gone, then Pearlie would, she would pick my stuff up, which is why I still leave clothes on the end of my bed. I keep thinking Megan going to grab them. So... <laughs> Pearly clean. She took care of us. She, she'd come and she helped raise me. She whipped me. But she loved me. She would make us dinner. She'd pick me up from school. She'd take me to baseball, football, basketball, swim. She'd run us all over the place. One of her favorite, favorite phrases of all time. Praise Jesus. Guys, Pearlie had nothing. Nothing. Not compared to what we had. Compared to what we have. She had nothing. Most people wouldn't have even gone in her house, much less, like, lived there. It's tough. She had it rough. But she loved Jesus. And she loved this little white boy. That's why you hear me preach what I preach about racial reconciliation. I can't help but think of this lady every time I think of all the racism in the world. And all the mess that's going on. Watch what Paul wrote as I close and I'm going to pray. He said in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4, again from the Roman dungeon. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Why this? Why this sucker? Because your situation is no greater to God than me giving this sucker to my child and or replacing it if it gets broken. We put way too much emphasis on the things that God is still in complete control of. Be anxious for nothing. Your anxiety, 
is not from Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation with prayer and praise. Present your request to God. Watch this, verse 7, and we'll pray. And the peace. Come on, can you sense his peace? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Will you bow your head with me today? Are you contending in prayer? Are you contending with praise? Or do you need to practice your prayer and practice your praise? Come on, God's not mad at you. But he's not just going to allow you to get away with unbiblical principles and unbiblical morals. He's going to let you pitch your fit. He's going to let you go through that mess. But he's going to go through it with you or he's going to meet you on the other side. Will you pray more than you protest? Will you praise in the midst of every problem? That's how we contend. How are you going to contend with horses? I'm going to pray. And I'm going to praise. And I'm going to outrun what was supposed to take me out. If you're in the room today and you don't really get all this, like it doesn't really make sense to you, I want to encourage you. You are the reason that we're here. If you're watching online today, we have prayed for you. We didn't know whether 20 people would come or whether 200 people will come. We just knew that somebody was going to be listening today that needed to receive salvation on this Sunday. That the joy of the Lord would come to pass today for them as they surrender their lives to Him. Truly, truly surrender their lives in every area of their lives. Confessing Him as Lord. We prayed, God save somebody today. May somebody confess you. May somebody surrender today. We're here for you. That's why we met. If you're listening right now and you're not confident of who you are in Christ, then I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Him. Take the first step, that step of confession, and begin to follow Him with all of your heart. If that's you, right now I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are. Posture yourself in a position to receive and to let go. It's a position that you say, God, Take this, I I, I don't know what to do with it, and replace it with what you have for me. It's a position of surrender. If that's you this morning, and you need to confess him as Lord for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to invite you to pray, but pray out loud. Church, would you pray loud so they'll pray out loud? Come on, let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen, been disobedient, discouraged. Cleanse me. And save me from myself, this world, and the enemy. I believe you died on the cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin. But you were raised from the dead. So I could be born again. Made new. Like you. So take my life. Make it yours. I surrender all to you. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?